Good morning. Good morning. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so our two-hour live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis and, uh, you know, what's going on in the news, kind of make some sense of the world. Uh, let us know how the new audio is working out. Hopefully it's going well. Hopefully it's not spiking much, but we'll mess around with some settings and kind of get it going. It'll be a lot of fun. We already have some people loading up in our listeners booth, so uh, we'll be more than happy to talk to you guys. Take your chat on air and make sure to share this out on social media. Let your friends know so they can join too. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, Still working on some stuff, just a little bit of inside baseball for you guys. Uh, Still working on a few things, uh, getting them kind of hashed out with the new broadcast settings. Uh, but we should be able to have this publishing out and everything soon. So I know some people, uh, the last time we did a live show last week and it didn't publish out correctly, but that's okay because we're working on getting all that good. So the RSS feed should be fine. Whatever podcast thing you use will be able to get the episodes as soon as they are published. But live is really the place to be. That's where everyone's going to get it. It's where everyone's going to hear it. Uh, and that's where you're going to be able to join the chat. And that's every single Sunday at noon. So why not, right? That sounds great. Yeah. So big week, lots of stuff going on, lots of things to try to figure out. Um, and some, you know, additional weirdness. Uh, apparently Biden decided he was going to go to Saudi Arabia this week uh, because, mm-hmm. well, okay, let me rephrase that. Uh, Biden had to go to Saudi Arabia this week because he needed to go beg for oil. That's, I thought the United States was had a lot of oil. I mean, no, we do. Uh, we're just oh, not going to drill for it because that would be bad. Oh. Yeah. Huh. No, because we're going to save the environment by getting our oil from somewhere else. Oh. <laughs> I think... Well, the, good, I guess. That might be my favorite part of the ineptitude that is the Biden administration is the fact that they reveal so much of the BS that actually exists. Like, for example, the oil thing, right? Like, we're going to Saudi Arabia to try to get more oil. And that is specifically so they can placate all of the environmentalists in the United States and say, see, guys, we're not drilling for oil in the U.S. I mean, sure, the same amount is being gathered. It's just from a different part of the world. And even though you call it global warming and climate change, Um, It's different for reasons um, and you should just give us more money and like trained seals because they're dumb and they have no critical thinking skills. Uh, Liberals go, oh oh my gosh, uh, Biden is so great for the environment. I guess what makes me almost suspicious is, is there a reason they want to keep all of this oil in the ground? Um, Because it seems, it seems outside the realm of, reason that the lengths they're going to ensure that all of these hydrocarbons stay under the earth at least in you know our countries it's almost like they know there's some giant impending catastrophe it's like well we're going to need all of those easily accessible sources of energy 
after, I don't know, the poles shift and there's a cataclysm, we come out of our New Zealand bunkers, you know, all the oil that we're going to need to rebuild civilization will be safely stored underground. I mean, it's either that or it's mostly just insane climate hysteria that's taken over the Western world that's completely been separated from any reality of pollution in the environment. So I don't know which one it is. I think um, that the oil is used to feed the elder gods who live beneath the earth in North America. Mm. Um, and we feed it to them using CERN <laughs> um, to keep I mean, them pleased, you know. I, not no. It's not, it's not a no. <laughs> I mean, no, I have no idea. Um, it, it it could it could be some it could be some crazy deep seated weird conspiracy, or it could be as simple as these people are idiots. It could be something as simple as these people are idiots. Um, they glom onto something silly and then they run with it because they're just it, it they're just that bad. They're just that dumb. Yeah, wouldn't surprise either either way. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, the the shock wouldn't be there. Um, so, yeah, like like I I yeah, that's the basics of it. I wouldn't be shocked either way. Um, yeah, but it is funny because obviously there's a lot of you know anger and upset over the trip to Saudi Arabia when it comes to Biden because you know he was going to stand up strong against Mohammed bin Salman. He was going to be so super tough. Um, he was going to be a big, super tough guy. You know, um, that, that, is this about their Khashoggi thing or their yeah. war on Yemen or any of that? No, it, it, I mean, it's 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 all it all basically, you know, hinders around Khashoggi. And hmm. the Khashoggi thing is interesting because, well, the media is the media is obsessed with the whole Khashoggi story. Uh, part of the reason why is because they see him as, you know, kindred spirit. He was also, you know, he was also a supposedly journalist. a journalist, right? Yeah. Supposedly a journalist or, you know, an agent for a foreign okay. power. Um, but additionally, because so I read it, I was I, I used to read a series of books. Um, and what was interesting about this series of books was in it, uh, there was the um it's about like an Israeli spy. It's it's the uh, Gabriel Alon series. And the mm. guy who writes it, Daniel Silva, used to work for CNN. His wife works for CNN, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. Um, throughout, the, this book series used to be really good. And then it got stupid because, of course, you know, they had to start virtue signaling because they're a bunch of liberals. But he ended up writing a story that basically sat around the whole Khashoggi murder. Mm, and interesting. he actually confesses in the foreword of his book that he was originally going to write a story that basically was around Mohammed bin Salman. And the idea of it was that he was like this new kind of liberal world order, friendly Saudi prince that was going to like reform Saudi Arabia. Huh. And so... I remember reading that and I was like, oh, that's why these people get so upset over the whole Khashoggi thing, because they thought they thought that Mohammed bin Salman was going to be one of their guys. 
And then when the Khashoggi thing happened, they got all upset because they were like, no, he was supposed to be like, you know, he was supposed to, you know, donate to the International Monetary Fund and the Clinton Foundation. He was going to be like, you know, a, a Saudi prince that was all about climate change. I maybe I'm being a dick. But I almost 100% guarantee that the actual rage that the left has when it comes to like Mohammed bin Salman was that they thought that he was going to be like this super liberal Saudi prince. And then he just turned out to be a regular Saudi prince and they were all butthurt about it. And so they hate him. Sort of. He was going to prop up the liberal world order. Yep. And he was going to advance the liberal world order. Essentially... Oh, we're so excited with this new Saudi prince. That means we will be able to extend imperial hegemony into the liberal world order. We'll be able to essentially capture Saudi Arabia. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. We're finally going to get into those Saudi, get get into the Saudi market. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, probably seriously, that's probably exactly what they were thinking. Like, finally, oh God, we can finally have gay marriage in Saudi Arabia and Women can get abortions. Oh, yes. We got it. We got another one, guys. Right. Yeah. And and so there's people that are super upset, especially over at like CNN, that are like really mad because Joe Biden had a fist bump with Mohammed bin Salman. And this is the CNN.com article on it um, that was written by Chris Siliza, who basically spends his time watching Fox News and complaining about it uh, when he's not carrying the water for the Biden regime. Uh, But this is the article in the weeks leading up to President Joe Biden's trip to the Middle East. One question dominated. Would he meet with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman? And if he did, what would his demeanor be? After all, MBS has been linked by U.S. the U.S. intelligence community directly to the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi in Istanbul in 2018. The report, which the Biden administration released in February 2021, concluded that MBS had approved the operation that led to Khashoggi's death. And as a candidate, Biden had struck a hard line with the Saudis. In one of the 2020 presidential debates, he was unequivocal in his denunciation of the Saudis for their role in Khashoggi's death. Quote, we are going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are, Biden pledged. Given all that, there was reason to wonder how Biden would play all of this. On Thursday, the White House confirmed, as expected, that Biden would in fact meet with MBS and would bring up the killing of Khashoggi. Quote, my views on Khashoggi have been made absolutely positively clear, and I have never been quiet about asking about human rights, Biden said. In defending himself against the seeming contradiction of calling a country a pariah less than two years ago and then granting Saudi leaders exactly what they wanted, an audience with the American president, Biden explained, quote, there are so many issues at stake that I want to make clear that we can continue to lead in the region and not create a vacuum, a vacuum that is filled by China and or Russia against the interests of both Israel and the United States and many other countries. Which, well, okay. What Biden didn't mean was the elephant in the room. Saudi Arabia has oil, and lots and lots of it, that the United States needs. That's always been true. 
but it is even more true with Biden pledging not to import any oil from Russia due to its invasion of Ukraine. But all of that pales in comparison to how Biden will ulti- how Biden ultimately handled the meet and greet with MBS. The two men fist bumped a a broy move of perceived friendship and camaraderie that gave the Saudi leader leader exactly what he wanted, a door to re- return back into international good graces. So they're super upset because he fist bumped Mohammed bin Salman. I think the problem was we're rapidly reaching the point where the United States has nothing to offer him. Uh, We're beholden to the Saudis and we'll have to play nice with them and do what they say because we have like, what do we have to offer the Saudis? No, I mean, well, yeah, and that's true. You, You know, a way that you could actually hold Mohammed bin Salman's feet to the fire and get him to do things that you want him to do. Oh, Oh. Uh, American energy independence, which is weird because did we, I, I don't, I don't remember, you know, perhaps remind me, did we have any issue in negotiations with Saudi Arabia, say, I don't know, four years ago? No. In fact, I believe four years ago, we were working with the Saudis and the Israelis and a couple other Arab countries to sign peace accords that were essentially groundbreaking in the region. The Abraham Accords that were done, I believe under, what was the guy's name? Donald Trump? Yeah. Oh, right, right. Oh, and we were energy independent at the time we were doing this. Oh. Huh. Huh. Oh, weird. Certainly correlation doesn't equal causation. It's just, the best part is, is I I, I glossed over it in the CNN article, but of course it was talking about like, well, we have to go to Saudi Arabia for oil because of all of the stuff we were getting from Russia. Yeah, well... I mean, we chose to sanction them. Well, we could easily choose to unsanction them for the same reasons. There's definitely that. But there's 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 also the weirdness of, well, it doesn't make any sense. That's that's the part that always bothers me is it's like none of that actually makes any sense. Like were, were we to de- somebody explained to me how Russia has so much control over the American economy that literally like this, this is the thing that I love so much about the just garbage messaging that the Biden administration has is everything that bad that is happening to you guys right now, everything, your, the economy, your pay being lower, the fact that groceries are so expensive, gas is so expensive. It's actually all Vladimir Putin's fault, which the only way you can interpret that is well and i've been told that russia is not a world power they're a backwater country with a terrible economy that can barely sustain any things but at the same time they have this much economic power and control over the united states well let's take them at their word if putin is responsible for all of the issues the, the economic issues that are rising in the united states the lack of fertilizers the lack of gasoline if if they're really responsible for all that then we are economically beholden to russia and we cannot oppose them on the world stage because we have placed ourselves in a disadvantageous position only independent countries get to be free everyone else has to play by the rules of those more powerful than them and i guess we're just admitting that russia is more powerful than the united states because 
they're able to wreck our economy if we stop trading with them. So we can't stop trading with them. Our fates are intertwined. And uh, I think that makes a very good case for, I don't know, something like nationalism, America first policies, and essentially independence. Yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, <laughs> it it is dumb and I hate it because well, okay, basically Democrats to try to cover up for how bad the foreign policy is right now are basically making America like they by proxy they are ma making America weak. They are saying that we are mm -hmm. literally so dependent upon imports that our our entire country can be brought to its knees by a country invading another country that have zero connection to the United States. Yeah, which isn't great, which I mean, gosh, can you imagine if we ever had to if we ever had to confront China? The American economy is wrecked. We we out of self-preservation cannot oppose China on the world stage because our economy is too dependent on them. Mm -hmm. So we we've placed ourselves in a position where we have to do what China says. Now, granted, they have we have some leverage in that game as well, but who can who is going to be able to weather that storm better china or the united states if we if if we had to sanction china the way we're sanctioning russia who is better positioned to survive china or the united states china which could then just start exporting things to everywhere else because they own the factories and they own the shipping fleets or the united states that all we would have is just a bunch of money are we going to are we going to are there factories in Mexico we could buy stuff from? Are there factories in Australia? Oh, no, because the entire Western world, all of our close allied countries have deindustrialized themselves and outsourced it all to hostile third world countries. What a ridiculous and stupid thing to have done. And it's entirely the product of these World Economic Forum, New World Order folks, because they wanted the, the they want to eat deindustrialized our countries, because it makes us beholden to the world stage. It makes us beholden to the UN. It means the United States cannot act free and unilaterally. We have to become a subservient partner on the world stage. And I don't want to be a partner. I don't want to be a partner with all these other countries. I want to lead these countries. And if they do not do what I want them to do, I want us to be able to walk away from them. Mm -hmm. No, no. And I agree. And that's, that's what's, um, well, <laughs> that's the whole point is if, if they get people to basically be dependent on the whole world stage, whatever called world economic forum, all this other stuff, that is basically their method of being able to project power that people don't where, where they don't have to deal with things like, you know, the pesky things like people voting. Yeah. You know, for, for the group of people, I can't I can't stress this enough for the same group of people that are like, we have to protect democracy. Everything that they do results back into how can I project power uh, without ever having to ha like without ever having to listen to any of the filth? Well, essentially, how can I how can I operate in the way that the this sort of globalistic groups like the United Nations wants? in a way that is counter to the needs and wants of my own citizens. Yeah. 
Because if you're beholden economically, militarily, politically, if you're beholden to these transnational groups or transnational corporations, then out of simple self-preservation, you have to give them precedence over the needs and wants of your own citizens because you've become dependent on them. You've become beholden to them. They, they own your debt. They own the, me the means of your production. They own, they own you. Mm-hmm. And that you're, you, if you look at it, like, look at the situation now, the United States is not, has made, we've made ourselves not self-sufficient. We have to rely on these other countries for our goods. We have to, and we don't need to, but we now have to. And that is a way, I think it was an intentional way of reduce, of checking the sovereignty of the U.S., of the United States and the American citizen to make it so even if our politicians wanted to. They couldn't do the things that American citizens want. They couldn't do the things that would benefit American citizens because we placed ourselves in a position where that would, where these transnational groups would lead us into ruin. And it makes it so it's the cure is almost worse than the disease. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I, I guess the big question that everybody has then when it comes to that is, you know, how much of it is intentional? And it seems really intentional. I think that that's like Definitely the ever-growing problem that people have is this all just seems, everything that's going on seems very intentional. Um, on a side note, that's slightly hilarious. Apparently, uh, all over social media, people are doing the Biden bike challenge. And this is where they go out to the street in Delaware where Biden fell off his bike and they're taking yeah. pictures of them like planking on the ground or laying fallen oh. over on their bikes, which Great. hilariously would just be, well, first of all, if this were, you know, Trump or somebody else, this would be all over the news. It'd be on every late night comedian show. They would, they would, it would become like a giant social media fad. I guarantee that we're going to start seeing like that hashtag get like shadow banned and people getting in trouble for it. Yeah. Or there's going to be a whole thing of like the white supremacy of the Biden bike challenge. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> some, some sort of victim nonsense is going to be going on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very uh it's it's it, it's very interesting. Now, one of the bigger things that came out or not really came out, but there's there's definitely a much larger situation going on when it comes to the, the January 6th committee. We've talked about this. We've told everybody what their intent is, but now they're, they're basically broadcasting it. Um, you know, they're being completely honest about it now. And the bigger aspect of it is it has always been about ensuring that Donald Trump can never be in the white house again, which is very Let's just be honest with ourselves and objective. Like, obviously, I know that there's a lot of Trump fans, you know, and everything out there. But, like, just think about this objectively. What is the threat of that? Well, to you and me, I don't, I can't think of too much. Like, it's one thing for, it's one thing for the normal politics of the left. They hate the person that's not their person. And so they lose their mind and all that nonsense. But let's get right. into the reality of it. Why do they act like it is this? All right, let me let me back it up a little bit. 
Nobody actually believes that it's a threat to democracy or the country or any of this other nonsense. So what is it really? What is the thing that is so terrifying to the left that they have to, I mean, they are actually revealing so much of their own internal corruption right now just because of the basic terror that they have over somebody, over over him being in the White House again. And so what is what is the threat to the left that is so terrifying that they have to basically reveal the game? That's what's crazy about it, is they're revealing the game. Mm-hmm. Like, any thoughts? Well, there's a lot of it out there. So a lot of the things would be they're playing a very corrupt game that is not to the benefit of the American people. And the way that they are do, have done this for decades now is through control of the media, through control of the government, through control. I mean, we have the term rhino for all of these Republicans that don't stand up to the left on things because they're all playing the same game. If you get someone in there that is that wants whose sole goal would be to ruin that game for them forever. I can see how they would be very, very concerned that that guy was going to be able to do just that. Yeah, I I think that's the worry. I think the worry is if Donald Trump gets reelected, he will have. He will go after them in ways that will ruin their game forever. And I don't think a lot of their a lot of the left and the Democrats like a lot of this is way more tenuous than maybe we it's it seems. It all relies on this smoke. It's okay. So a lot of it's like abortion. Think about the abortion debate. It's a good example. Abortion was never written into law. It was never codified by an amendment. They never spent the effort to ensure that abortion was always going to be on the books. They just relied on the kind of nebulous Roe versus Wade opinion and massive media pressure across the board for decades. But right. then we just like we just saw with the Supreme Court, up oh, it just overturned it, and now it's back to the states, and a bunch of states just outlawed it. Wait a minute, so we can do that with everything? Because they never had the political will to be overt in how they did this, which is why the media manipulation, which is why all the pressure in academia, it's why this decentralized cathedral of activists and Democrat-minded bureaucrats all work together in this decentralized system to push the country more and more left wing. There isn't necessarily one big cabal sending out specific memos and emails to people telling them how to act. It's all this very nebulous, decentralized cloud cabal operating from universities across academia, throughout the U.S. State Department, throughout all these organizations of Democrat voting Americans who are essentially radicalized by media propaganda to all behave a certain way and promote a certain set of values. But because it's so decentralized, it's inherently weak if you attack them on an axis that is the primary source for driving that behavior, which is the media. The media sort of machine relies on its own credibility to spread this messaging and to hide all the, to, to essentially to hide this 
I guess, deep state cabal and this sort of cathedral that's out there. It hides behind the media, which obscures it from people's view. How do you think the average Democrat on the street who's going to work paying all these gas prices is going to feel if Donald Trump gets reelected and immediately starts exposing this mass, exposing all this in a way that he can't miss? Right now, the media runs interference for all of this. Right. But if Trump stays in power, the potential would be that his actions could be so overt and have such true, uh, make such real changes if he does decide to directly use presidential power to crush these people, that it would become so obvious that there is this decentralized control network that's been laid over the United States. And when people, I think when people realize that, it is going to blow the credibility of the entire left-wing movement. And like I was saying with abortion, they never put this stuff into law because that would be too overt and they know they don't have the popular support to do it the way the, the by the rules. So they don't do anything by the rules, which means everything's inherently fragile and relies on this veneer, these this rose-colored glasses that the media puts on everybody to hide what they're doing. And I think the real worry is if Donald Trump gets back into office, especially now and after everything that's happened, the worry of the left is going to be that he's, go it's going, he's going to operate in such a way that they will no longer be able to hide. And when they sort of expose the light of day, people, even their own supporters, will not like what they see. And they're going to lose for a very long time. Well, I, I, I guess I'll, um, I'll th throw the question to those that are uh, sitting out there in the live chat as well. It's like, uh, you know, question for you all. Well, one, you know, what do you think it is that they're the most terrified about? And two, uh, like being the left, like, what do you think the left is most terrified about? But number two is, uh, you know, have have they exposed too much of their hand and their internal operations just to get this one guy who like, let's, let's just be honest. Like when we watched everything and, and we saw like the entire four years, there wasn't that much really going on, you know, right. like there wasn't anything that was that substantial to create this much, just like psychopathy that we see where they stood up an entire committee just to like with, with basically the entire intent of ensuring somebody couldn't run again. Like that was the terror. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, mm -hmm. like just let's see, you know, let, let's get an idea of what, what you guys think. But additionally, um, there was some one, once again, um, there was a climate plan that was supposed to be going through uh, the Senate and Joe Manchin voted against it, which has caused nothing but rage and seething hatred, which don't misunderstand me. I, I still very much uh, the whole like Joe Manchin, Kristen Cinema thing really kind of annoys me because there's I, it sounds a little little dumb. I'm glad that they are there to show how insane the Democrat party is and how there's literally zero room for anything, any, any thought process that is outside. Like, I don't even know, like they're, they're fringe ideas. There's no such thing as a moderate Democrat party anymore. There's no moderate Democrat party. It doesn't exist. Um, right. But 
at the same time, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are still Democrats. So even though they get attacked, even though they get threatened, literally people are talking about having them killed and like all of this other stuff, they're still Democrats. So like, why would I trust them? But it doesn't matter. We'll take the, we'll take some celebrations and some victories where we can get them because this is something from the uh, New York times. This is an explanation of you're, you're all right over there, Alan. <laughs> yeah. I just bumped my microphone. Okay. Um, but there's um, some explanation for uh, how upset Democrats were over the fact that Manchin shot down uh, one of the some of the some of Biden's climate legislation, which we already know has to be radical, right? Because he already shut down any drilling, he shut down any en- energy independence in the United States. He wants cars to be, he wants everybody driving an electric car by 2035. And so, of course, everyone sits there and goes, oh, is that why gas is so expensive? I know you're blaming Putin right now, but is it really because you're just going to try to make everybody like force everyone to drive an electric car that they can't afford? Um, But this is the reaction from the left when it comes to uh, Manchin shutting down this uh, climate hysteria that the Biden administration was trying to put through. Quote, it seems odd that Manchin would choose as his legacy to be the one man who single-handedly doomed humanity, said John Podesta, a former senior counselor to President Barack Obama and founder of the Center for American Progress. So that's number one. He single-handedly doomed humanity. John Podesta. Oh, wasn't he alleged to be a pedophile? <laughs> well, well, it's for legal reasons. We have to say that that was a conspiracy theory, but he did oh. for some reason. He did for some reason ask a lot, uh, use cheese pizza as a code in emails that were leaked out uh, by WikiLeaks. Um, he used cheese pizza as a code, and I'm not saying correlation equals causation, but cheese pizza is a very common phrase that is used by pedophiles to refer to child porn. And I have that on good authority from a federal agent who regularly works child porn cases and is a regular listener to the show. Didn't John Podesta also do a bunch of stuff involving spear cooking with that one lady who was a self-described Satanist? Yes, that is something that was also revealed. Didn't he also have statues in his in his house that were made in reference to the murder victims of Jeffrey Dahmer. That I actually hadn't heard. Oh yeah. Cause I saw pictures of, uh, you know, from his house and it was one, it was a statue of basically a dude in a horrific pose that was, um, essentially made as a perfect reproduction of the way they found one of the victor- victims of Jeffrey Dahmer. That's, uh, if true, <laughs> That's yeah. weird. <laughs> Why isn't John Podesta oh also God. heavily connected with that Epstein fellow? Oh, of course he was. Yeah, he was a huh. powerful Democrat. I mean, that's uh, those are synonyms now. Fascinating. Well, okay. Anyway, anyway, I don't I don't know what all that means. If that's anything to all that, but just <laughs> such int- coincidences. Fascinating. Fascinating so coincidences. The. Um, Article also says privately Senate Democratic staff member members seethed and sobbed, which I feel like is the standard operational setting for Senate Democrat staff members on Thursday night after more than a year of working nights and weekends to scale back, uh, scale back, water down, trim and tailor the climate legislation to Mr. Manchin's exact specifications 
only to have it rejected inches from the finish line. Bum, bum, bum. Oh no. <laughs> like they seethed and sobbed, Alan. Well, I don't want them seething and sobbing. That yeah. sounds awful. Which isn't that just kind of the normal now? Isn't it like the normal setting for for the liberal left as they're seething? They, they they're going to have to seethe and sob about this or that or you know yeah else. Yeah, I mean, it seems all they can do is just cope, seethe, and dilate. So um, another uh, interesting thing, I'm 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 hitting just like a bunch because we actually have a lot like a lot of little headlines and stuff. But who wants to hear something funny from NBC reporter Katie Turr, who can't seem to figure out why people are upset at the media since this is sort of the underlying factor of this. Um, this is uh, this was posted by The Hill, um, and this was a statement from uh, Katie Turr of NBC about people's interpretation of the media. There was just a Gallup poll out today that shows that the trust in, in media and newspapers and television is you know, hitting an all-time low. People don't trust us. They don't believe us. And it makes me wonder if this job, as I'm currently doing it, is effective, uh, but if it's doing more harm than good. I don't have a good answer for that. Oh! Oh, oh, did, are you worried that we don't trust the media? Is the media worried we don't trust them? Oh, well, why ever would that be? Is it because you've spent the last, I don't know, what now six years, blatantly lying to our faces about every, almost everything? Was it, was it the media who, over the course of COVID, lied continuously to protect the regime? Who's been lying about Joe Biden? Who's lied during the whole election? Oh, spare me. Spare me. The, oh, how can nobody trust the media anymore? Look at yourselves. You're, you are, they're pathetic liars that know they lie all the time. That's, that's half of what we do in the show. It just go, yeah, no, the media is saying this and that's absolutely false. Like the media are the ones that put out things like, oh, you know, 10 killed $1 billion in property damage for mostly peaceful protest. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Was it the media who printed a bunch of headlines about January 6th is the, is this, is this decades 9-11? Was it the media who then like, oh, mostly peaceful protest burns down guard shack of White House. Right. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I have trust in the media? Oh, I wonder how could it be? Yeah. No. And, and well, and that's yeah. See, that's that. That's exactly it. Is they've lied about everything. And what's weird? Uh, there, there's been a weird story that was going around. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, so we're a little bit behind the eight ball on this. But, but I'll bring it up. Which was there was this ongoing story supposedly of a 10 year old girl in Ohio that had to go out of state to get an abortion. Oh no. And so it's like, okay, but nobody could corroborate any of the story. And this was for weeks. And then it was mentioned by the president of the United States. It was mentioned by the governor of 
Ohio. And there was all this, but nobody could ever find any evidence that this occurred. But then suddenly, hmm. like out of seemingly nowhere, they found like, oh yeah, no, here's the guy who did it. Like th this week, this week, a guy has been arrested. He was the one that did it. And it gets, and it gets weirder still. Fascinating. Because the mother of the victim was interviewed and she's defending the rapist. Interesting. The plot thickens. And the rapist is an illegal immigrant. Womp womp. And so I still am having trouble believing this. And let me explain why. Why? You have a girl, the original, the original story that we heard was that she was like raped by her dad. But I mm -hmm. suppose that that does, I mean, it doesn't really matter because these, that th those kinds of details can get confused, but like it happened nobody could seem to find this person nobody could seem to find any evidence that this crime was even committed nobody could find anything to back it up and people were literally begging the media to cooperate this story because it was like red meat for all this abortion activism and everything else going on but now all of the sudden like after two weeks of right-wing media going there is zero evidence that any of this occurred there is nothing that even shows that this ever actually happened suddenly they find a guy but he turns out to be like an illegal immigrant and then there's a mother on like on on i i think it was like telemundo or something like that like defending him and saying like well she's fine everything's fine like this is ridiculous or something of like something along those lines this all feels so astroturfed to me like meaning does doesn't it they made up a story and now they're making up another story but they made like the, they made the perpetrator an illegal immigrant to try to distract the right wing from pointing out that it was all just a lie i'm not saying it is i'm just saying that it seems so dubious to me that nobody yeah. could find any evidence that this crime was committed but they suddenly did now and it's like oh Real well he, he's an illegal immigrant and and the weirdest the, the even weirder part still is the attorney general of Ohio is even saying, I can't find any record of any crime like this having been committed. But even if all of this were true, she would not have been denied an abortion because rape, incest, life of the mother were covered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I find it all... I don't know. I, I, I find it all very, very, uh, very dubious. I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't would know what to agree. say. It seems real sketchy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, uh, I, I, I feel like there's, I feel like there's something else going on. I don't know. So. Yeah. I don't know either. It mostly, it seems like something that it was a, potentially fake story that a bunch of these pro-abortion advocates just jumped on and ran with to as a gotcha because oh you made it illegal now look at this poor poor girl and we don't know if it's true or not but based on the media and how all this has gone for the last few years 
I'm willing to believe that it was entirely fake. Yeah. It, it and, and like either it's entirely fake or it proves our point that there shouldn't be all these illegals in the United States, that they're in fact a bunch of criminal scum, or at least they, they, it is bringing a criminal scummy element into the United States that I am right to be concerned about. Yeah. And, and I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be interesting because this was like the red meat that the left was trying to use. It was like this whole, like, see, this is the awfulness of States being able to decide, by the way, the thing that happened was she went to Indiana. And then just got an abortion there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Apparently this is in completely unprecedented i i don't <laughs> i mean i'm not really a big fan of it either way but i do think it's all pretty ridiculous and i kind of just feel like why do we have to care about this yeah yeah it's just okay so states can decide it's like what okay so you want me to care about this and then what's my takeaway supposed to be oh my gosh we should make abortion legal i'm gonna go no like, if you want me to care about this, my takeaway is going to be, oh, we should deport all the illegals. Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe that's probably, maybe if this story is true, maybe that's how this came to be. Is someone put this story out, a bunch of idiots on the left jumped on it saying like, see, gotcha, right wingers. This poor, look at the, the story, this poor 10 year old girl. And then people, a bunch of people ask questions like, wait a minute, if this is real, then why isn't the guy in jail? And where's all this going? And who actually did this crime? And then now, and now people maybe are backpedaling and trying to kill the story because it is not the gotcha that they expected. Yeah, no. And, and well, yeah, and that's exactly it. Um, by the way, so speaking of the media and they're how they're lying liars, um, NPR is launching a disinformation team. NPR? NPR, National well, Public Radio. Considering that they themselves engage so heavily in disinformation, it wouldn't doesn't surprise me. Well, let's walk down that road a little bit. Let's read some uh let's read some of their headlines and some of their tweets. Let's see. Um Yeah, let's do it. NPR from the NPR public editor. This was posted on the 22nd of October of 2020. Uh, why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post Hunter Biden story? Uh, read more in this week's newsletter. And here's the clip from the newsletter. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. From Terrence Samuels, NPR's managing editor for news on the New York Post Hunter Biden story. Or how about this one? Scientists debunk lab accident theory of pandemic emergence. This is from April 22nd, 2020. Scientists dismiss the idea that the coronavirus pandemic was caused by an accident in the lab. For those of you who don't know, that has now been picked oh. up as a entirely possible theory. Uh, uh, no, I would say not even possible. I'd say it's all but proven at this point. In fact, I would say it was almost all but proven when you said when I was told, hey, there is a giant outbreak break of this infectious disease. Oh, oh, where did that happen? Oh, it was in the same city as this infectious disease laboratory that was studying that specific infectious disease. I don't think so. It so it leaked from the lab. <laughs> well, no, it might have just naturally and totally coincidentally come from some fish market somewhere. A snake bit a bat, and the bat then it was eaten by a guy, and that's how it happened. 
it didn't jump from the lab that was studying this specific type of virus in the city that where the started no no so i i think that 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 was only ever a distraction it was it it always it was always so obvious that it came from a, a chinese lab and all this effort was done to distract from that and we now know the u.s government was in fact paying for the research yeah dr fauci knew of this because he greenlit the funding to go to the gain of function research at the Wuhan labs for coronaviruses. And he knew the whole time and Congress knew the whole time. And anyone who wanted to dive into those finances knew the whole time. And they all lied. The media lied and never looked into this. It's just one of those, again, it's just one of those many things where I go, this is why they have no credibility and should never be trusted again. Here's another tweet from NPR. President Trump declined to condemn the actions of suspected 17-year-old shooter of three protesters against police brutality in Kenosha, claiming, without evidence, that it appeared the gunman was acting in self-defense. Of course, he's talking about Kyle Rittenhouse, who was then acquitted of all charges because it was self-defense. Because he was acting in self-defense? Yeah. Uh, here's another fun one. Longtime observers say New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's character traits, decisiveness, listening to the experts, and sticking to the facts, a reputation for micromanaging and being controlling, have been effective in the state's coronavirus outbreak. Now, just to remind you, uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo had to resign because of all the sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations against him. Didn't Andrew Cuomo's intentional policies actually end up killing like inflating the death toll by a huge amount because his intentional policies of putting sick coronavirus victim, sick coronavirus people in nursing homes with the most at-risk population. And then surprise, surprise, dozens if not hundreds of elderly people in those same nursing homes died of coronavirus, thus inflating the numbers of the pandemic. Was that what Andrew Cuomo was doing? Because I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he did. In fact, that's what Democrat governors did across the country because it was the intent, with the absolute intention. You, you, you could not convince me otherwise that across the country, Democrat governors all pursued a policy of placing coronavirus quarantine, like, of doing coronavirus quarantine in nursing homes with nursing home residents still there after as we saw in Washington, the first deaths of coronavirus was a, the coronavirus spreading through a nursing home and killing a dozens of dozen of the elderly residents. And it's, it is like Democrat governors looked at that and said, that's exactly, we need to make sure, we need to do our damnedest to make sure that coronavirus gets in nursing homes so that we can kill a bunch of elderly people and inflate the numbers of this virus. There is no other excuse. There's no other explanation I can come to other than a level of gross negligence that is ear that is inconceivable. Because from looking at what happened to here in Washington, the very first coronavirus deaths, and then deciding, huh, you know what we got to do? We need to put coronavirus positive people in nursing homes. That's going to save everybody. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense. It, it makes so much more sense that they looked at that and said, this is how we inflate the numbers of COVID. And I can finally, and I'll get that campaign contribution from the World Economic Forum. I'll get that campaign contribution from the Gates Foundation if I do this. If I inflate the numbers for the pandemic, I know these people want because they war-gamed it in 2019. Right. 
Well, now, um, I forgot that there was a feature here, uh, if you're listening on the live program, uh, for a call-in. And we were going to keep it disabled for a little bit until we got oh. kind of our feet wet. But we do have somebody who wants to call in. Um, and, and Chris, who's been a friend of the show for a long time, um, decided he wants to call in. So let's, uh, let's see if he accidentally did it or let's see if he actually wants to jump on the program real quick. Uh, Fantastic. Hey, hey Chris, uh, you wanted to do a call in. So if you just accept the invite that got sent, you'll be able to pop onto the show and, uh, we'll see, we'll see how this goes. We haven't used it yet. So, uh, we were going to play around with it first and. But we'll see. Uh, maybe it was unintentional. Um, but that is a thing that we are going to enable at some point is the ability to call in. But we do for right now, if you guys do have any comments or anything, just go ahead and throw them in the chat and uh, we'll go from there. Um, we'll see if Chris actually accepts the invite. But <laughs> here's just a, one more one more thing from uh, from National Public Radio, from NPR. Uh, d- don't forget that Yamish Alcindor also works for NPR. She's very... Uh, regular when it comes to the White House press briefings. But here's just an example of the kind of information that we see from NPR, who's decided now that they're going to have a disinformation team. Uh, Hoping for a full recovery for Jussie Smollett, who TMZ is reporting was brutally attacked by two men who beat him up, put his head in a noose and screamed, this is MAGA country. (laughs) So just a little bit of disinformation. We we know now that was a lie. Yeah. But they're they're gonna they're gonna tell us about what's uh disinformation. Also, there's a there's a popular um tweet going around right now, uh where I I don't even know who this person is. Uh basically a nobody, but people are sharing it. Some some very upset woman with pronouns in her uh Twitter bio. Uh, was very upset because she was at an airport and there's a girl who has a uh, laptop that has a bunch of bumper stickers on it that are pro-life bumper stickers. And she's very upset about it. And this is very popular on Twitter right now because they're just so upset. How, how dare, how dare anyone have an opinion that you disagree with? My God. What's, and you know, this is, this is actually the encapsulation of so much of the left's rage is just, Uh they can't stand the idea that people are allowed to disagree with them. And on, honestly, I I think a lot of what we're seeing is we're definitely, we're going through, um, basically like a mind revolution in this country right now and culturally right now, because so many people are just seeing how much of this leftist liberal new world order nonsense is just is just vapid bullshit and it's just emotional preening and just childish nonsense that what you're seeing now is just how obvious it is that it's like we can't have people looking under the hood of our ideas because they might come to the inevitable conclusion that it's all bullshit and it's not in their best interest yeah well, and it, and it is it like a lot of the emotional moral preening isn't is a tactic designed to get people to support things that are verifiably not in their best interest. That's exactly why it's like, well, I need to do my part for climate change and not eat meat and pay higher gas prices. And I think that that's that that's that's the plan. That's the goal. The goal is to 
make it a moral choice so that people will adopt these negative behaviors and feel moral and good about them because that's the only way you're going to get people to do it. We're sitting here going, let's not. I, I don't want to pay more at the pump for climate change nonsense because I don't get to feel a moral hit from it. But then a bunch of people on the left go, but I, I feel so morally good. I'm, and it's a way to convince people to, to support things that are bad for them. Well, and it and what's what's even like more strange or or what what have you about it is just like we we watched them literally break over Donald Trump getting elected. I mean, it the only explanation that now it's one thing for like just the, your regular Democrats or your your activists, right? They just do what they're told. They just they're told things. They see it on Facebook and they go, "Yes, Queen," and they don't they don't think about it. But the actual intelligentsia of Washington, D.C. broke so badly after the election of Trump that honestly, it is one of if if you are a person who thinks that the left has been rigging elections, I honestly think the reason why that thought process became popularized and why so many more people now believe that there is something dubious about elections in this country is because of how the deep state and the Washington DC intelligentsia was so shocked by the election of Trump. The only explanation you can have for that amount of shock is it shouldn't have happened because they were going to ensure it. Like they knew how the race was going to go. Like yeah. somehow these people were like, I mean, honestly, it was the way that these people broke. It makes zero sense to a normal person because you're like, you should have always thought that that was a possibility. You're supposed to have like the best resources in polling. How did you not know that people were going to vote this way? It was kind of obvious to a lot of people. And they were like, they were so shocked by it that it's like, do you guys rig elections and something went wrong? Because you're acting like there was no chance that it wasn't going to go a certain way. Well, I think there is a lot of evidence that they did, in fact, rig the election and were, knew that it was going to go their way, or, or at least very certain it was going to go their way because they have a habit of rigging elections. And then, obviously, all the other background stuff where it was like, they wanted people to focus way more on the fact that it was Russia that leaked all of the Democrat corruption, or they wanted to claim it was Russia um, that leaked all yeah. the Democrats. Like, don't pay attention to the corruption, guys. Just pay attention to the fact that uh, we got it from Russia. And they tried to do the same thing with all of this uh, Hunter Biden stuff, which is, by the way, still coming out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep, hackers got, like, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't abide hackers getting into people's personal devices. But it's happened now, and that information is out now. And all, well, to be fair, all it's doing is proving things that we already knew, which is that the Biden family is exceedingly corrupt, which shouldn't be surprising, by the way, because uh, I guess we'll just we'll we'll go right into the subject. But like, this is the modus operandi of the Democrat Party, and I don't understand why anyone would be even shocked by it. 
the modus operandi right. of the Democrat Party is fleece every foreign country, make a bunch of business deals for your kids and your spouses, and conduct insider trading and become a like millionaire uh, in just a matter of years by greasing the wheels and making everything that you do about instantiating more power for yourself and more money based on corrupt business dealings. It's the entire, yeah. like that was literally the strategy of the Clinton foundation. The Clinton foundation didn't ever actually do anything. People donated to the Clinton foundation. They took 90% of the donation and then gave 10% to some other charity. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. That, that's exactly what they did. They were fleecing it the whole time while Joe Biden was vice president. Yeah. And then in, it, it's, it's insane. And, and now, now obviously we have, you know, uh, we have things like what's going on in Ukraine, which like listen to, or well, for those of you who have listened to our show for years, we were talking about the corruption that existed in Ukraine in 2015. Mm -hmm. Just like, think about that. It was a subject matter. In 2015, 2016, 2017, we were discussing it on this show. We were talking about the business dealings of Biden, of uh, John Kerry's son. We were talking about how weird it was that the Clinton Foundation's, or not the Clinton, the, the uh, Clinton campaign's largest donor was Ukraine. Yeah. We yeah, were talking we about, about that multiple times. Yeah. For years, we talked about how strange that is. And now there's a random war going on that just so happens to line up with all of these, uh, you know, it happens to be a perfect distraction uh, for all of the failures of the Biden administration. And of course, this is the perfect segue to go into uh, this audio, which I do apologize. I'm already going to say it's a little quiet, but I can't really fix that just because of the uh, the um, the way the audio is. So I'm going to spike the audio a bit to try to make sure you can hear it. Um, but, uh, there's, we've even played, this is what's funny. There's tapes of Biden talking to the for, the president before Zelensky, Poroshenko, um, discussing things that need to happen because Trump got elected. Um, and what we're going to do is we, we're going to play this audio again, because we've played these tapes years ago, but we're going to play some of this audio again, because in the context of what's happening now, it is shocking. So listen real quick uh, to uh, from what One American News Network played in regards to the uh, Biden's tapes. Overdrive to clean up loose ends. November 16, 2016, two weeks after Donald Trump's victory, Joe Biden is on the phone with Poroshenko. His voice tenser now than before. This is getting very, very close. What I don't want to have happen. I don't want Trump to get into the position where he thinks he's about to buy onto a politics where the financial system is going to collapse and he's going to be looked to to pour more money into Ukraine. That's how he'll think about it before he gets sophisticated enough to know the details. In other words, Biden does not want Ukraine asking for more money from Trump. Doing so would cause Trump to look into the details. So anything you can do to push the, the, the Pravada Bank uh, um, to closure so that the IMF loan comes forward, I would respectfully 
A little weird. It's it's very weird. It's Biden essentially. It's Bi- it's Biden meddling in the affairs of the Ukraine before Trump is even in office, talking about these banks, talking about IMF loans, and how we need to make sure Trump doesn't get involved with in any of this. Mm-hmm. And remember, they never tried to impeach Trump until Trump started looking into Ukraine. So much of the last six years all revolves around business dealings between people in the United States government and Ukraine. Ukraine is the biggest donor to the Clinton Foundation. Hunter Biden is receiving all these kickbacks from the Ukrainian company Burisma. Joe Biden is getting involved in the Ukraine to ensure that the Ukrainian government stops a probe into the business dealings of Burisma that his son works for. All of this centers around Ukraine in very strange ways. And uh, you'll permit me, there's a, someone put together a lot of this information in a thread on Twitter that I would like to just kind of present back to you. Sure. So at the time of this call, Privat Bank, which is a Ukrainian bank, was owned by Ukrainian oligarch Ihor Kolomoisky, who is an investor responsible for putting Zelensky in as president of Ukraine. The show that Zelensky was an actor on playing the president, servant of the people, was produced by the money of this oligarch. This oligarch then funded Zelensky's campaign to become the actual president. So, um, and this, so, and again, Ihor Koromynsky, this oligarch in Ukraine, was actually fired as a governor of a region of Ukraine after flagrant corruption charges. It's also worth noting that. Kolomoisky is also the principal owner of Burisma, the company that Hunter Biden sat on the chair of as a means of selling access to his father. So Hunter Biden was selling access to Ukrainian oligarchs, notably Kolomoisky, to his father, who is vice president of the United States. Now, Kolomoisky is a serial scammer. He's ripped off multiple Eastern European oligarchs. He's also banned from entering the United States due to fraud involving acquisition of a U.S. steel mill that was then forced to close due to his shenanigans of stealing funds. So Kolomoisky basically tried to buy a U.S. steel mill in order to launder money that he was embezzling from Privat Bank, which he was the owner of. So he was embezzling money from this Privat bank, using it for corrupt business deals. The USD Department of Justice caught up with him because he was involved in the U.S. steel mill, which resulted in seizures of his goods. He was banned from the United States. Now, this all centers around there's also this big international monetary fund loans that were going to the Ukraine. Now, the International Monetary Fund was pressuring then-president, who was funded by this oligarch, Zelensky, to nationalize the bank in order to ensure that it wouldn't be corrupt. So the IMF was looking at the actions of Privat Bank and this this Zolomoisky oligarch saying, that's so corrupt, we're not going to give your country this IMF loan, which would go to this bank until you nationalize the bank and ensure that it is taken out of this oligarch's hands. So from this call, uh, so from what we can tell, Kolomoisky embezzled something to the tune of $4 billion from Privat Bank when he owned it. The U.S. Department of Justice blew it open and 
In turn, the International Monetary Fund said the bank must be closed in order for a new International Monetary Fund terms to be given to the Ukraine for this massive International Monetary Fund loan. That's exactly what Biden was talking about in this quote or in this clip. The money and Kolomoisky through Burisma were being used to buy influence with the Bidens. The theory is Joe Biden is put in between a rock and a hard place. The International Monetary Fund and Kolomoisky are in conflict, but Biden has a grift with Kolomoisky and thus risks exposure via this private bank scandal. And that's essentially where, where we end up. The situation in 2016 was the International Monetary Fund wanted to give Ukraine this loan, but was demanding that Privat Bank be closed by Zelensky, who was put in power by the same oligarch that owned Privat Bank. The same oligarch that owned Privat Bank and put Zelensky in power was also the same oligarch that owned Burisma, which was employing Hunter Biden's son, giving him a lot of money so that that same oligarch could then have backdoor access to the United States government, who was also at the same time organizing all of these big defense funds to be sent to Ukraine to help defend them against Russian aggression. Because remember, in 2014, there was a coup. And after the 2014 coup, the United States started to spend lots and lots and lots of defense money to the Ukraine to help them build up their defenses against Russian aggression. This included things like U.S. military exercises in Ukraine, I believe, in 2015. Now, and this gets us to this gets us sort of to the point where clearly this Ukrainian oligarch has dirt on Biden. He was deeply involved with the Biden family, who was again, and this is when Hillary Clinton is Secretary of State, Joe Biden is Vice President, Barack Obama is President. All of this is related, so. It would not surprise me if there were and there were connections between or this one oligarch, Kolomoisky, is the connection between the Hillary Clinton um, uh, Clinton Foundation is the connection between the Clinton Foundation, between Hunter Biden and Burisma, Joe Biden as the vice president. All of these people are in on this corrupt scheme that they're running through this oligarch between Ukrainian banks, Ukrainian gas companies, it's all connected through this one oligarch, Kolomoisky. And that's exactly what this call is about. It's about Biden calling Zelensky, who was put in power by this same oligarch, and saying, hey, you need to make sure that this deal with the IMF gets sorted out, because if it's still trying to be worked out when Trump gets into office, Trump is going to look into these dealings and that could then expose this huge amount of corruption that a lot of very wealthy and very high level people in the United States, like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, all of these people's heads would be on the chopping block if Donald Trump actually looked into this and discovered all of their corruption. These people, these Democrats, pre-2016, during the Barack Obama presidency, were covering up this corrupt scheme that was laundering U.S. tax dollars through the Ukraine, through these corrupt oligarchs, through Zelensky, back into their own private hands, through things like the Clinton Foundation and the deals that Hunter Biden has had with companies like Burisma. That is exactly, and then remember, Donald Trump gets into office. Donald Trump inevitably starts going, hey, 
we're not going to give money to Ukraine until Ukraine looks into this crazy Burisma dealing. That sounds real sketchy and corrupt. Like, this is sketchy and corrupt. And then remember, that is suddenly when the Democrats go, we need to impeach Trump and get him out of office. He is looking into our actions. He's looking into the actions of our most powerful people involved with this oligarch in Ukraine. And we can't have that because it is going to blow the lid off of this and expose us to a lot of negative consequences. And now Russia invades Ukraine. All of this is getting kicked down the road. Zelensky's still in power and they are working very hard under the cover of this war and under the cover of the hundreds of billions of dollars that the United States is sending Ukraine in order to cover this scandal up, make it go away. And Kolomoisky is still in Ukraine, is still connected with Zelensky and is still generating lots and lots of money by fleecing US tax dollars out of the Ukrainian government. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that basically summarizes it. And, and what's, what's certainly, certainly it gives an even deeper understanding of, of what's, you know, what, like what's going on, like why there's so much focus here, but it also brings into a perspective of some of the weirdness of like why the U S is so intent on um do like basically bending over backwards for Ukraine. That's that's the craziest part yeah. about it. Like the amount of money that we're giving and all of this other stuff is if if it didn't make any sense to you why the US was doing what it was doing with regards to Ukraine, like let's be honest, at least at least like take all the emotional like childish nonsense uh that the liberal media has ingrained even in some of you people who call yourselves conservatives about democracy or whatever because it's let's be honest the left doesn't care about that stuff um there at least has to be some of a calculation that part of the reason why Joe Biden is going to literally never stop writing checks to uh Ukraine is because there is a possibility that if Russia takes over Ukraine all of this would be revealed. Yeah. You have or to at, at least, least consider. If these same oligarchs, if these oligarchs, Zelensky, there's a lot of people in the, on the take on this. If Ukraine starts to lose, suddenly they could, they're, they can essentially blackmail the U.S. government into doing what they want. Right. Because if all they have to do is say, well, we could expose your corruption or you could keep giving Ukraine billions of dollars in weapons. Yeah. No, and, and well, and that's that's very true. And it's just, I, I mean, I wonder, like, is there any chance that Zelensky right now is just milking the golden calf? Yeah, that's entirely the deal we have with Ukrainian oligarchs is they get to be corrupt and steal U.S. tax dollars that we're giving Ukraine and the United States looks the other way. As long as they keep running the war and not embarrassing U.S. politicians. And it's and this all confirms something that we've known of for a very long time. We knew Hillary Clinton was extremely corrupt when Joe Biden was vice president. Then there came the Hunter Biden laptop leaks, where then it was exposed that Hunter Biden was also playing was also part of this pay for play scheme that was happening in the same White House that Hillary Clinton was running a pay for play scheme. And it 
essentially all of this just proves Joe Biden is a very corrupt, heavily compromised president who absolutely is beholden to foreign interests and his own and beholden to his own corruption because and he's working tirelessly to both hide it and make sure it continues for all of his political friends. Yeah. yeah. Remember, and, and the media covers up for all of this. Yeah. Just yeah. like you saw with NPR. NPR refuses to cover any of these stories because, well, it's disinformation. And how convenient for them is that? Well, and, you know, on, on that same discussion point of um, like switching gears a little bit here, because like more of this is going to come out. And that that's the other side of this, too, is there there's obviously a lot of stuff that's coming out of like the Hunter Biden leaks that people are. I mean, don't. I understand. Don't mis don't misunderstand me, but like, don't get distracted by all the creepy stuff that he was involved in. The real thing that's going to change anything is how involved his father was in those business dealings. How much was Joe Biden himself ingratiating himself via his son, using his son basically as a financial proxy to illegally and corruptly funnel foreign money into his own personal bank accounts for influence because we know these people buy influence this absolutely happens but shifting gears a little bit but still kind of sitting on the media and the lies and the bs um this is probably the one of the best indications that i can use for like we'll call it the two different americas scenario but in reality it's this is how the leftist media works now they work off of emotional reactions of ignorant and completely uninformed people. So there was a, poli a police shooting recently uh, where police shot, I, I think it's pronounced Techly Sundberg, um, because he was shooting at an apartment. Oh. And police shot and Who? killed him. And a uh, bunch. No, he was shooting inside an apartment. Or inside an apartment, sorry. Um, yeah. So he was shooting inside an apartment, Minneapolis PD. Um, that's what it was. So he was firing shots at, into a woman, this woman's apartment while she was inside with her children. She called 911. Minneapolis PD snipers uh, took him out after a standoff. People yep. are protesting outside of the apartment right now because Black Lives Matter and right. they had the unfortunate situation of getting a visit from the woman who called 911 because she was sitting with her young children while having bullets flying into her apartment. This is what she had to say to the protesters that were gathered outside to virtue signal about Black Lives Mattering. This is, uh, this is the victim. Going through a moment. This is not okay. 
you know what they want to show on the TV. Obviously, going to go This is not okay. Just go home. Go home. Because none of you guys not found that man's door to check his house. Ah, oh, see, they're upset. They're saying you quit whining because you're alive. Yeah, uh, I saw pictures of this lady's apartment. It's not just a couple shots. It's like there are bullet holes riddle, riddling her apartment, like uh, to the order of dozens. So it's not just a couple. It was dozens of bullet holes. Now, I'm not sure if he was intentionally trying to hurt her or just firing off rounds through the walls of an apartment building because bullets will penetrate interior walls very easily. Mm -hmm. It's like if you fire a pretty much any firearm in your house, it's probably going to go through the majority of your internal walls because it's nothing but drywall and two by fours. Right. So the pictures from this lady's apartment is it's riddled with bullet holes. And she apparently grabbed her kids and they dove, ran into the bedroom and dove onto the ground. And this guy was just firing off rounds through the walls inside an apartment building. And then a police sniper from outside shot and killed, shot and killed him. Good. Like people like people that choose to do that, get their birth certificate revoked. <laughs> but as we see, of course, Black Lives Matter comes out and is going to try and grandstand on this guy's death so they can drive more policies that end up with nothing but suffering for the rest of America. Well, not just drive more policies, let's be fair, raise more money so they can yeah, buy so they can You're buy right. more mansions and so they can have more parties. You're right. Cuz that's You're really right. what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's they, all going to be a big fundraising opportunity. Oh yeah. I mean, there there's already it's funny because uh the or at least as of yesterday, the GoFundMe for that woman who, you know, has an apartment riddled with bullets uh, is far lower uh, than the GoFundMe for pay for the funeral expenses for this guy that was just wildly shooting bullets into a woman's apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the answer is, why is that? Uh, because and so and this this reveals part of it, too. What's the reality of it? there shouldn't be any police. You should be, basically, you should be allowed to do that. You should be allowed to just fire wildly with bullets flying into somebody's apartment that has two small children and that person shouldn't be stopped. The That's the only read you can get on that. The only yeah. read you can get on that is they're upset that the, the police shot and killed him, which means that he should have just been allowed to do that. Yeah, exactly. Because, because it doesn't change if you take the police out of the equation. Because if his neighbor shot him, it would be considered gun violence. Yeah. And how terrible would that be? Oh, well, gun violence. Oh, no. Well, but that, that brings up a, a, another even deeper question. This guy's firing a gun off. Aren't guns bad? Isn't this terrible? Isn't this like, you know, like a potential almost mass shooting incident? He's not being called a mass shooter. He's being called a victim. Yeah. He's firing yeah. a gun wildly off, but the left is defending him. So you have to ask yourself why? Well, we all know why. We know what's more powerful than what. We know how the oppression Olympics works because this is a black man that was shot by the police. He is more important than, I mean, let's be honest. This lady's kind of out there. This isn't the same as a George Floyd situation. No, it is. Yeah. That's what you need to understand. It is. And the reason why it is the same is yeah. you don't matter. That's what makes it partially the same is you don't matter in this. They don't care about you. 
You are at a lesser level in the oppression Olympics, even though they could take you and make you a gun, you know, gun violence survivor or some nonsense like that. But you're not more important than a black man shot by the cops. Yeah. And do you know why? Because you would make them less money. Right. It's it's not black lives matter. It's criminals lives matter. Yeah. You're less important. So you can be as upset as you want, but you don't get to be the victim today because they've already picked it. And, you know, Black Lives Matter needs to pay the mortgage on that six million dollar mansion. So, yeah, you know, understand. Why don't you just sit this one down and maybe they'll come back to you for some other situation? Right. And I've seen it. And there's plenty. There's also video out there of this guy's parents, adoptive white parents, by the way. Claiming he was a good boy. He didn't do nothing. Okay, then where did all the bullet holes in this lady's apartment come from? Right. Because the cops only fired two. Yeah, like, okay. I'm never gonna... I don't know why... I have no idea why the news ever goes and interviews the parents of someone like this. Because it's, it's... I just think it's gross. I don't know a better way to do yeah. it. Like your yeah. kid, your, your child did something terrible. Um, you're not going to feel good about it. Also, your kid's dead. Nobody wants that. No parent wants their kid dead, regardless of the situation. No parent yeah. also wants their kid firing, you know, gunshots wildly into people's apartments. All of this makes perfect sense. The only, I, I just don't see the purpose. And this is irrespective of your comment, Alan. It's just, I don't see the sure. purpose of going and be like, so what do you think? That is the biggest asshole that honestly stuff like that is what proves to me that we do not have serious journalism in this country, that it is all just theatrical bullshit. Yeah. Like, what do you think their opinion is going to be? Cause we saw the same thing. Um, we saw people going nuts over the parent parents reactions of the Uvalde, uh, shooter. But can oh, you yeah. believe what his dad said? Yes. Yes, I can. I get a hundred percent. Do you have any idea mentally where and either of these people are going to be right now? Like, first of all, I, I don't know which grandmother, if it was paternal or maternal. First of all, the first thing that that guy did was shoot one of their moms in the face. <laughs> yeah. And so not only does one of those parents have a mother that got shot in the face by their son, but their son's also dead after killing like 24 kids. Yeah. So don't ask them. Don't ask them. Number one. The only reason you'd ask them is so you can get some emotional appeal that can play on the news just like we saw here. Well, just like you saw with, not necessarily here, but just like you see with a lot of these. Let's go ask the family of George Floyd. Oh, he's such a great man. We're so sorry he's gone. I'm sorry. Didn't he have a restraining order against you? Didn't you call the cops because he was abusive? Yeah. It's it's absolute nonsense. But like we've talked about before, all of this is part of this sort of media, this sort of mass media obfuscation. And it's clearly a coordinated attempt to make it so that the vast, so that a lot of Americans don't understand what's true and what's false, don't understand what's real and what's not. How many Americans think George Floyd was just strangled on the street for no reason? 
when the reality is he died of a fentanyl overdose. That the kneeling, that the kneeling submission thing is specifically designed so that to not cut off your airway. No, well, Most yeah, Americans they, don't know that. Yeah, they because had to, the media ensures that that information is not passed on to them. Yeah, because they they had, they had to go shop a medical examiner. Like, you know, oh, Michael Brown, his hands were up and he was saying, "Don't shoot." And the media allows that narrative to propagate, and then just conveniently doesn't report that all the witnesses that say his hands were up could be canted their testimony, that the forensic evidence proves that he was reaching inside the cough car when the first shot was fired, proves that he was shot in the front and in the hand at point blank range. The media just just lets that stuff go and never reports it, but then will signal boost everything about, oh, his hands were up and he was saying, don't shoot, oh God. This, the media at the same time will do things. They will signal boost people saying, oh, Matthew Shepard was a poor gay man who was dragged behind a truck and killed because he was gay by hateful bigots. And then when it comes out, oh, then when they know at the time that, oh, yeah, he was a meth dealer and he just got in a big ship with a meth and was killed by people that were meth addicts, one of whom was also gay. They just go, oh, yeah, we're going to forget to report that because the narrative we want people to take away from this story is gay men are killed by bigots in America, and we can capitalize on that. Black men are killed by these horrible cops that murder them in the street. We want those narratives to propagate, so we'll signal boost anything that allows that, and all of the information that refutes that story, we're just gonna forget to cover. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of Americans don't realize this is what is happening, and so they have a completely bizarre view on reality because they're being intentionally misled. Yeah, it's well, <coughs> I uh, I can't like I, I like that story. I, I like that we were able to kind of play that a little bit as 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 silly as it might be. But it's just it just well, and that's part of the part of the problem too is you have all those people that are shouting back like, "Well, you're still alive." It's because they don't know yeah. anything about any of it. Somebody went onto Facebook and was like, herder had like new hashtag dropped. Everybody get like everybody get in the car. Right. And it's the same reason why they put so much effort into quote controlling misinformation because they, the entire game is rigged on the information that refutes their narrative doesn't get to normal people. So uh, every channel, whether it's Twitter, whether it's YouTube, whether it's podcasts like ours, Every whether it's even Fox News, every single channel, every single method that that information can get to normal people to that refutes what the the narrative the mainstream media wants. They are they try to treat as misinformation to bottle it up and prevent it from exposing the illusion. Yeah, and and it's it it's going to get. It's going to get worse before it gets better because the closer to the midterms that we are, the more psychotic it's getting. I mean, everybody, everybody has seen the headlines and they have seen that uh, there are people in the Democrat Party that are very seriously in panic mode right now because they know that they're going to get wiped out in the midterms. It's just there's there's just no other way about it. They're going to get wiped out in the midterms and then heading into 2024. People don't want Biden on the ticket. He is the most unpopular president in history, in history. 
They did all of this nonsense. They changed voting laws at the last minute. And this dude campaigned from his basement. They, they pulled out all of the stops, revealed all of their corruption, did every dirty trick in the book, every media water carrying, ass kissing, just dance that they possibly could do. And this dude is the most unpopular president in history. His, the only politician, the only single politician with a worse approval rating than Joe Biden is his vice president, Kamala Harris. Yeah. This administration is dead on arrival for 2024. A burning bag of dog shit has a higher cancer, has a higher approval rating <laughs> because at least when people get cancer, they make, they make life changes and they can go and try to achieve their dreams. So cancer yeah. has a higher approval rating than the Biden administration. Oh, sure. And what that well, means just... is these people are going to panic. Yeah. If we thought election meddling was bad in 2016, it's going to be, there's no way they're not going to try to up the ante in, well, both midterms this year and 2024. Yeah. No, there's, yeah, there's, there's singularly no way. Um, that they're, yeah, that they're, they're not that we're not going to see something. I mean, it, what is it? It's like the midterms itself. Like they're going to have to fight for that because, uh, they, they can't have Congress flip over. Yeah. Um, because all that's going to do is build momentum because of how bad this administration is. It'll create such a strong juxtaposition. Think about this for a second. This administration is going to do so poorly that it'll actually look like, uh, the Republican party is winning like and and is mm -hmm. trying to keep the Biden administration from being psychotic and obviously the leftist activists are going to go even more which is going to look worse right they're going to go more psychotic uh we're probably going to see political violence which equates to 2024 100% is going to be a republican presidency but there's a strong possibility of a supermajority in the senate because those two years are going to be so embattled and the left doesn't know any messaging beyond psychopathy. And what I mean by that is like, just to give you an example, right now, the Democrats have Congress. The House and the Senate are Democrats. They are controlled by the Democrat Party. And everything that yeah. you're seeing, all the hate, all the rage, that's what's happening when they're in power. Imagine what happens when they're not in power. And we've seen what happens when they're not in power. They start to riot. They start trying to assassinate members of Congress. That's what happens when they're not in power. And that was early on when they weren't really sure what to do with themselves. It's only gotten worse. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to find, let me, let me see if I can find the clip, the clip of like, they're still in power, but they're angry because they're not a hundred percent getting their way. Right. Well, their, their power is still tenuous and not a hundred percent assured. Right. But there was a session with, uh, Malcolm Nance 
that's the that guy the dude that went to Ukraine and yeah. wandered around talking about <laughs> nonsense for a while and then just sort of came back without seeing any combat. Stand by. Stand by. Two fast movers. Yeah, it's that Malcolm Nance. I'm trying to yeah. find the clip here um, where uh, basically he talks about how people are going to just have to start killing their neighbors. I mean, are they going to eat their neighbors like Alex Jones or are they just going to kill them? Because that'd be a waste of a lot of good meat, especially when there's a coming food shortage potentially. Just um, saying. Just... We got to be thinking ahead here. <laughs> well, I will eat my neighbors for meat. Um, it's one of my, that's just one of my favorite things. Um, I'm trying to see if like, did I spell his name wrong or something? I did. That's why. That's why I'm not finding mm. the clip. Mm -hmm. Him and his stupid name. Um, but yes, it's, it's Malcolm Nance, you know, the, he spent all this time in intelligence and he's going to go fight for Ukraine. And by that he's going to hang out in a hotel. Probably he's probably invited to all the concerts um that uh, oh, yeah. Zelensky's yeah. having because that's normal right uh yeah that's, that's perfectly normal there's nothing weird there all right here we go I think I found the clip let's find it all right yeah Malcolm Nance wants you to kill your neighbor that's the title <laughs> oh my all right let, let's inflammatory um let's let, let's play the clip this is uh this is from MSNBC uh, talking about the January 6th hearings, which by the way, it's just, and, and oh, that's the other weird question is like, so this is uh, Malcolm Nance and he, he looks perfectly comfortable in civilian clothes. So I guess his tour of duty defending Ukraine is either over or he might be on R and R or he never went and it was all bullshit the entire time. But, um, here, here's a clip from his interview because the only people who care about January 6th are the media and sad Democrats, but here's what he had to say. So we are well on to our way to a multi-year campaign that we're already two years uh, into this campaign where we will may have to fight they, the they in my title and the they in my title who want to kill Americans are your neighbors. That is a very scary thought, um, but it is a very important conversation. Ah, so Malcolm Nance has gone full uh, civil war. 2.0 these people have no idea what they're trying to make happen i think it's funny because you know when you try to think about it like ah they're um they're going to have a you know like ah the second civil war that's what needs to happen we need to fight back against all these evil you know uh insurgents that you know tried to have a coup in the united states uh okay with what you guys hate guns. And yeah. when you try to coalesce and decide to form your like, I don't know, you'll probably call it something gay, like free people's democratic militia or something like that. Um, you're going to be too busy fighting over pronouns. Yeah. I think the plan is they're going to essentially make all opposition to the Democrat party technically terrorism. And then they'll use the power of the federal government and federal law enforcement agencies to to be to basically be their militia yeah so and for example uh in that in that same vein here uh by a vote of 218 to 208 democrats passed an amendment to the 2023 national defense act that would require white supremacists nazi supporters and extremists to be removed from the u.s military so 
now that that's on the books, how how broad do you think that they're going to paint with that brush of white supremacist Nazi or white nationalist? Oh, you know, in it, the U.S. military, it, it's, how long until it's like if you're an FBI agent and oh, you uh, you voted Republican? Technically, that meets our criteria of being a white supremacist. So bureaucratic box got checked. Guess you're out. Oh, oh we, you're a military officer and you aren't seen as being as supportive of mass immigration in the United States as your other fellow officers. Well, it's too bad someone just reported you for suspicion of being a white supremacist. Oh, your career's ruined. Because, or you're kicked out. Or any of these other things. We had to open it, oh, I'm sorry, we had to open an investigation into uh, your, into you, uh, Colonel, because you didn't seem like you were all that supportive of Joe Biden's war in the Ukraine. So we had to open an investigation to make sure you weren't a Nazi. And uh, it would be a real shame if that ruined your career, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we already know they do that because anything that disagrees with them is defined as that. So exactly, you know, it's so, the it's the greatest threat facing the United States, even though no one can name it, point it out. There's no indications of it. And then they run into denial and they're like, we don't have any violence on the left except for literally all of this violence that's occurring on the left and all of this terrorism that's occurring on the left. But you should be afraid yeah. of, I don't know, I guess prison gangs because every time you go through the like, when you go through the left's like hate watch nonsense where they're like, here's all the white supremacists. It's like all San Bernardino prison. Yeah. It's like five guys in a San Bernardino prison that own like this part of the cell block and steal everybody's Cheetos. Yeah, it's well, and it's a it's a perfect cover because anybody that doesn't like what they're doing is like, hey, you shouldn't do this. Oh, that's what a white supremacist would say. That's exactly what a neo-Nazi would say. I bet neo-Nazis yeah. want things like freedom. Oh, you don't want us to restrict your rights well I, you know the only people that wouldn't want us restricting your rights would be a nazi i mean it's well just it becomes trite saying it but this is very similar to the places like the soviet union it's like oh you don't want this the party to repossess your house and re redistribute it well only a only you're not one of those you're not one of those you know problematic kulaks are you oh you're not oh okay well i guess you have to you have to be fine with it then well, you also have to remember that, you know, one of the most recent things uh, that we've seen defined as fascism uh, by the left is the Supreme Court deciding that states can make a decision on hot button social issues, um, giving voters more control over what actually occurs in their states. That was called fascism. Yeah. It's just it's all just silly word games that justify tyranny. Let's not forget. But they're, but they're instantiating it into law, which is, I think, the concerning part. Oh, well, what's really funny it, is there's a lot of anger and rage over that uh, because uh, all Republicans voted against uh, against that authorization, by the way, to include much to the just I'm sure that there's going to be some screaming and and uh, what was what were what was the word from the Democrat staffers over Joe Manchin this week? Seething. Seething and seething. sobbing. There was yeah. much seething and sobbing because Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney voted against it too. 
and Democrats don't know what to do with themselves, which is hilarious, by the way. The same Democrats are like, well, we have two Republicans that are on the committee, so it's totally fair. And now they're like, how did these people vote against the, the Biden thing? Yeah. So it proves to everybody that they knew every single Democrat knew that these people were just pawns. And now they're super upset that they're not being pawns. Right. Uh, which is which is good. However, they are going to work tirelessly to ensure that all the protections that we try to instantiate that would protect people's rights from overreach by the government are intentionally going to be degraded or worked around through loopholes because when they talk about fighting a civil war against your neighbor, they're talking about the federal government doing it for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, for well, example, because because FBI, liberals FBI, don't work. Yeah. Lib liberals don't do the work. They never do the work. Right. Because they expect that the government's going to do it for them because they expect they have captured the government through institutional capture. And they're trying. So, for example, the FBI recently spent $5 million on a contract to purchase licenses for a private social media surveillance program called Babel X with hopes to run persistent automated searches as often as every eight minutes covering most large social media sites. Now, this is a absolute violation of the constitution, but the loophole is, well, the FBI isn't actually doing it. They're just buying the data from a third party, which on a technicality they can do. And it's this is exactly how these things. This is exactly how you, the Constitution gets made obsolete by all of these organizations finding loopholes and the watchdog organizations that should be raising hell about things like this, saying that violates the Fourth Amendment or right Fourth Amendment search and seizure. Yeah, unlawful search and seizure. Yeah, yeah. that violates the Constitution. All the watchdog groups are also captured by Democrats who will conveniently not push the issue. I mean, this would be, if, if everybody's worried, oh, the NSA is spying on my phone. Okay, but if the NSA was simply buying that data from Apple and Apple's terms of service tech set qualified it as, well, technically that's not your data, that's Apple's data. Well, we're not violating citizens' rights at all based on a very loose interpretation of how this stuff stacks together. Bureaucratically, it's not your information the government is snooping into, and we're not the ones tapping your phone. It's Apple's kind of just doing it for us and giving us the data because we asked. It, it makes your constitutional rights null and void, and you require then a massive judicial push to try and hold these people accountable, which they will do everything they can to stop. Well, now, and, and this is this is the exact kind of tactic that was used for by the Democrats to be able to spy on their political opponent when they were spying yeah. on the Trump campaign. What they did is they got um, their other five eyes partners like the United Kingdom to spy on the Trump campaign and then send them the intelligence. Yeah. How convenient. And places like New Zealand recently added white supremacy to their list of international terrorist organizations. They're recognized list of international terror, terror organizations. Now, if the US government thinks that you're guilty of white supremacy, well, they still can't violate your constitutional rights because that's not technically a qualifier for international terrorism. But the New Zealand government certainly can. And because the United States is a bye-bye partner of New Zealand, well, all that information could easily just be made available. Now, technically the US government is not violating your rights, we're just getting reports from you from New Zealand, which is violating your rights. 
because you're technically qualified as an international terrorist by New Zealand. Right. But that's not, but not every terrorist, because remember one of, one of the groups that is considered a domestic terrorist group by the mainstream media and the liberal left is things like the three percenters. The, right. This was a group of people that when they marched through Washington, DC as part of January 6th, right? Mm-hmm. Weirdly, one of their leaders is a man named Ray Epps, who we've already talked about. Everybody knows the Ray Epps saga. We've gone through it on this program. But weirdly, he got a glowing uh, defense from the New York Times. Huh. So how interesting is it that this is the perfect example of exactly what Alan is talking about? It's about being um, a puppet of the regime. This guy was a leader in the three percenters, which the liberal media has said is they consider to be a domestic terror organization. He also is on video telling people that they needed to go into the Capitol. And uh, it's this is the guy from the very famous video that you guys can find on social media where he's telling everybody they need to go into the Capitol on the 6th. And then people start shouting fed. Yeah. He was on the FBI's most wanted list as part of the whole January 6th thing until he fell off of the FBI's met with no explanation in the middle of the night, disappeared from the most wanted list. And strangely enough, the New York Times has decided to write an entire piece about how poor Ray Epps is a victim of right wing conspiracies. Oh, poor sweet Ray Epps. Isn't but. Shouldn't Ray Epps, regardless of his involvement with the federal government, he is one of these horrible three percenter American patriot terrorists, like regardless of any of this. So why would they be running interference for a guy who they should consider equally as culpable for the horror of January 6th as anyone else, regardless of his status as a federal agent or not? Well, and that's where it gets interesting is, okay, so... They want to talk about, like, for whatever reason, the New York Times wants to defend Ray Epps. Not only do we have to ask our question, why, but we also have to ask the question, why now? Because what is this predicated on? People haven't been talking about Ray Epps in quite a while. So I'm going to tell you why. I guarantee that Ray Epps' testimony to the January 6th committee is their next big highlight reel that they're going to play on their primetime television drama known as Ah. the J6 committee hearings. I guarantee that this is a public relations move by the Democrat party to make it to where they're going to play whatever audio they have or whatever bullshit they have in the January 6th witch trial. And they're trying to get ahead of the obvious right-wing response where people are going to be like, dude, this guy's obviously a fed. Here's him being called a fed by the other people that were there because he was totally acting like a fed. And they're trying to get ahead of it by saying right wing conspiracy theory. And what that does is cause Democrats to go, I don't have to listen to anything these people have to say because, because the newsman said conspiracy. So I guarantee, and I don't have any information on this. I guarantee Ray Epps is the next thing that the January 6th committee is going to try to try to use. And this is the New York Times trying to get ahead of all of the questions of his credibility uh, that are going to obviously come up given whatever testimony he has. But also, if the New York Times is defending you 
and you are the member of a right-wing group that the New York Times has also called a domestic terrorist organization, that's honestly all the proof I need that you are a Fed. <laughs> yeah. Like, you basically just proved that Ray Epps has to be a Fed because why the hell else would you defend him? Yeah. I mean, with the amount of vitriol that they increasingly show for anyone that's on the right, the fact that they're going to bat for someone almost proves that there's something about that person they want to keep hidden. They own, maybe I would say it this, the left only goes to bat for its allies and it only tries to punish its enemies. So if it's trying to protect someone, that person is an ally and useful to the left, which immediately should make me extremely suspicious of them. Yeah, no, and and I mean, that's certainly, and that is how partisan it is, especially when it's the media and especially when it's the January 6th committee. That's how partisan it is. The people they like are allies to them. It doesn't matter if they're lying. It doesn't matter if it's made up. By the way, that was the other thing that came out of the January 6th uh, hearings, aside from them trying to invoke the 14th Amendment to make it to where Trump can't run, which was the intention the entire time was just making Trump not run again. And, and well, and also to threaten that if you go against the Democrat Party, they can literally jail you indefinitely on terrorism charges. Um and take away people's civil rights and any dissenting political opinion, but you know, one step at a time. Uh, yeah. but the, the other, the other aspect of this is, um, that's their whole point. But another thing that came out is, uh, they had to reveal that the secret service, uh, deleted text messages. Good. Now I'm, I don't see the Secret Service as being what well, maybe they're so, at least somewhat apolitical, but let's just be honest here. Um, they've deleted text messages because then that the discussion is still coming up with that Hutchinson story where she claims that, like, I don't know, Trump did something awesome where he like tried to fight off a uh, Secret Service agent uh, to take them to the Capitol because that's where he wanted to go. Which, by the way, I'm not sure why this is even a question. If somebody's my driver, or my security detail, yeah. and they're telling me, and they, they're refusing to take me where I want to go. I, I, I'm just very confused by why this is a thing. Like I, I don't know what I don't know what the Democrats are trying to gain except except from like making Trump look awesome. Yeah, but, but it, the, it, if Trump was trying to show up at January sixth, then yeah. you could. I, I would only expect he was trying to show up to. I mean influence the events and reduce like the president trump what tre the president's not going to show up to a protest and say yep go in there and murder every member of congress no it certainly wasn't going to happen not at all yeah so the only thing i can imagine is trump would have showed up calmed the situation down probably everyone would have been like hey trump's here well let's get the fuck out of the capitol go see him like, calm the situation down and you wouldn't have gotten the reichstag fire of january 6th that democrats have ever since just been trying to capitalize on yeah him showing I mean, up it makes sense that the the it's almost as if the secret service was bribed leaned on threatened somehow with you do not deliver donald trump to the capitol today no matter what happens well and, and that that was the thing is 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 if if text messages got deleted um it was because they would have proven the committee wrong 
There's no way that text yeah. messages got deleted to protect Trump. That didn't happen. That never happens. The exactly. deep state doesn't. Exactly. The deep state only protects the deep state, and it wasn't Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So exactly, like we we know that. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Let's see if we're right. I mean, I'm, what I'm telling you is that Ray Epps is the new hero. It's the new hero that the left's going to have. He's going to be the next Hutchinson, and God knows what kind of. Be, because that's that's all of it too is like this is basically just porn nobody's even watching these things like dc insiders just basically like listen to the january 6 hearings to still feel important and so they can seethe and rage about other stuff but like let's just be honest nobody actually cares like i'm still going to talk about it because yeah. obviously it is very scary how much the government and the democrat party wants to make it illegal to disagree with them and we're seeing their tactics and what they use for this but don't misunderstand a lot of the media coverage of this as being any indication that any single american actually gives a damn about these committee hearings nobody is watching them they have no effect they're not going to move the needle towards the democrat party if anything it's moving the opposite direction by just how grotesque, pathetic, and obsessive. All people, if anybody's even just a slightly moderate Democrat, they're sitting there watching their paycheck get smaller. They're watching gas prices get higher. They're watching the supply chain get worse. They're watching Joe Biden have to crawl on hand and knees, hand, hands and knees over to the Saudis to try to get oil because he's such a fuck up. They're sitting there go and and what's what's the democrat response well trump did a bad thing what's going we're still mad about the trumps like it's pathetic which goes back to the point the point of the january 6th show trial is to make it so trump can't run again because think about it if trump ran again what are his chances of winning what are his chances of winning with every different american demographic like how many people right now are going how many people that voted even voted Biden, or maybe even didn't vote. Mm-hmm. How many of those people? I mean, th- this is hard because this was my prediction in 2020, which was how many people in 2020 seriously looked at the last few years and went, "My life is better or worse." Like, I want the Democrats in power. My life is worse now after Trump. I thought I thought it was very few people. Mm-hmm. And granted, if there was a bunch of election meddling, which I'm pretty sure there was, I was proven. I was somewhat vindicated. But now, in 2024. How many Democrats look at are going to look at their gas bill? Are going to look at the inflation? Are going to look at all these things and go, "I don't want these policies to continue." I just I feel like if Trump came back and ran again, he would stand an incredible chance of winning. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, people look back and go, "Oh, well, we weren't staring down the barrel of potentially World War III or a new Cold War." And uh, I could afford groceries. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, well, to be honest, it's why they're having the show trial. But yep. that's going to have to be it for today. Uh, of course, you know, you guys can always let us know what you think. Go over to uh, subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio. Subscribe there for $2.99 a month. Help become a subscriber, help support the program. As always, you can send us an email, contact at wrongthinkradio.com, and check us out on any social media platform. Just look for Wrong Think Radio, and we're right there. We'll definitely see you guys next week. It's going to be Sunday, noon Eastern. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week.